This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everybody and welcome to Lions Watch, your one-stop shop for all things England. I'm Marcus Speller. And I'm Luke Moore. This week we're discussing the hot topic of England's right-back options. It's possibly the trickiest area of the squad to decide upon, but we'll give it a go. We also speak to Czech journalist Andres Lamel about the Czech Republic and we go back over England's efforts in the UEFA Nations League finals in 2019. That was the worst performance I have ever seen from an England team, ever. We were totally hopeless for 90 minutes. It's another wretched night for England at a major tournament. And did you also miss a left-footed player down the left side? Yeah, but where is that player? How are we going to win this tournament as England? And England win on penalties! Welcome, everybody. Welcome. 
I I knew at some point we'd have to discuss the right backs. We were putting it <laughs> off. We were putting it off. I didn't. I just thought, just take all four. We tried to get away with it by putting every single right back possible in our <laughs> squad early on. People wouldn't let us get away with that. And then Micah Richards on Match of the Day mentioned Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I'm like, the last thing we need is another name to the pile. And himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So right backs it is. Um, it's got to be done. It's a really fascinating discussion, though. It and is. I think I think you know we have to be very careful and show a little bit of self awareness as England mm-hmm. fans. Mm-hmm. I think we are already a laughing stock in international football. Occasionally, <laughs> um, we can't really start complaining about the plethora of options we've got. That's right. It's just too hard. Make yeah. your mind up, England. <laughs> yeah. Well, right back as Southgate said is a, is a is a is an area that England are quite strong at, and I don't think anybody would disagree with that too much. The four candidates really for the squad are Trent Alexander-Arnold, Kieran Trippier, Carl Walker and Rhys James. All have great ability. They've yes. all got pedigree. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Alexander-Arnold won the Champions League, of course. Kieran Trippier's about to win uh, 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 La Liga, hopefully. Mm. Hopefully. I say about to win. Don't want to yeah. jinx it for you, Kieran. Good, they've had a good season, whatever. They've had a good season. He's been a big part of it. Carl Walker, we know his qualities. won the league with Manchester City. Uh, Reese James as well has been brilliant this season and Walker and James will probably start the Champions League final. So this is what you're dealing with here. Mm. You are dealing with four right-backs who are international and Champions League quality and not just that like latter stages Champions League quality as they've all shown in their careers thus far. Yeah. So it is a very, very difficult choice indeed. So I think that he'll pick three, Southgate, for the squad. Obviously, you can only start with, with one Although back three and wing backs, remember we'll, we'll we'll talk about that. The the form of Trent Alexander Arnold has been much discussed of late. This calendar year, he has been very very good. Liverpool fans have been doing their heads in because people are saying, "Well, but he uh, is his form dipping and and on all this kind of stuff." There was a little bit of a dip, but my goodness, he's come back strongly. But the rumours are circulating that he will be the one to miss out. Oh, you, you tapped into the uh, the loop. I'm tapped into the England mainframe. Yeah, okay, and that's and, what you're hearing. And it is a, it is differing emotions being plugged into. Okay, that. Well, should we focus on them one at a time? Then Go so on we're going to start with Trent. Let's do it. I think uh, everything you said there is accurate. Um, I think you know we all know that he's better going forward than he is defensively, and um, Liverpool have had a difficult season through for a number of reasons. I think one of them is the inertia that they felt after finally winning the league, which is perfectly natural. Obviously, that's been exacerbated in a huge way mm. by the personnel they've lost. So what, what we're now seeing now, at the time of recording, ahead of the final game of the season, we don't know what's going to happen yet in the, on the final day, but it looks as if Liverpool have timed their run back into the top four perfectly. Mm-hmm. And Alexander Arnold's been a part of that. Mm. So you're right to say that his, impro- if, his form has been improved. The problem with Alexander Arnold, I think, is for me, is twofold. Mm-hmm. One of them is that he's actually his fault, and I'll come on to that. But the first point is that he doesn't really ever allay any fears about his defensive ability. Mm-hmm. Whenever he performs well, whenever we see him with a eye-catching performance or Liverpool win or he does something, mm-hmm. it, with almost, without exception, it seems to be doing something going forward. A brilliant pass from the outside of his boot to perfect inch-perfect cross yeah. or bombing off on the overlap and whipping across him set or scoring a goal delivery. or a set piece. Right? We, I, I can't think of... And I know we're not talking about centre-backs today, but bear with me very, very briefly. The other week, Connor Cody in had an amazing performance for Wolves against Spurs. He was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And they've had a terrible season, Wolves, by their own standards. Mm-hmm. But he really said, look, this is what I can offer defensively. Yeah. And I don't It think was heartening to see him put it, that performance. It was needed. It yeah. was heartening. Mm-hmm. Trent's not really done that defensively. Mm-hmm. And the second point is, he's suffering from the idea that if something negative re-England happens to him, 
it's always a big story because he's seen as part of the furniture. Mm. And the reason he's seen as part of the furniture is because he's had such a good young career and he's done so much stuff at his club level and he's never really necessarily let England down. We must remember, and this is my second point, mm. he's got 12 England caps. Mm. Only 12. This is not a Gary Neville. Mm-hmm. This, is not, this is not, you know, on the other side of the, of the pitch, Stuart Pearce. We're not yeah. talking about a 75 cap veteran here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to come and talk about Reese James in a minute who's seen as being the new kid on the block, if you like. Mm-hmm. He's got six. Mm-hmm. He's halfway to Trent already. So and a red card. Well, quite. <laughs> but we we have but we have to see Trent as the character as as the as the player at the stage of the career that he is. It's not his fault that he started so well, mm-hmm. and it's not his fault that when he's dropped off, he's been punished for it, and it's been a big news story. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, and the fact remains, defensively against a big team, and England are going to have to play a big team at some point. Do you trust him? So, do you think the style of Liverpool's play? the way they're very sort of pressing and we know what, what Klopp likes to do. That plays to his strengths quite clearly because the idea is to give the fullbacks a lot of space, of course, yeah. and, and and Robertson and Alexander-Arnold have exploited that superbly. Yeah. Liverpool, when they won the league and the Champions League, were magnificent. Um, I know different seasons, but but they have been, been superb and very dominant in the way they play with the players that they have. England don't have... And, and a, a lot of players like that and can't, but the idea of England being that dominant that on the front foot might go against Alexander-Arnold and also the fact that he's playing with his club I mean it's the same with all the players obviously but it's playing. he's playing with his club and training with them every day mm-hmm. so the shapes they get to work on mm-hmm. the system of playing they get to work on is very well drilled mm-hmm. I think people football fans I think generally under 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 kind of appreciate mm-hmm. how much different it is in international football. Yeah. We've seen managers in the past who mm-hmm. can't work with the players day to day. You know, Capello would be an obvious example. Mm-hmm. Not better get what he wants out of them. Now, there could be other reasons for that. Mm. But the point is, if they play completely differently, which England do to Liverpool, and they don't get as much time to work on it, mm-hmm. it is a fact that's going to affect some players more than it's going to affect others. And I think it does affect him. Yeah. Well, and Trent has only really played fully, if you like, under Klopp. One yeah. particular amount off the top of my head. If, if I'm slightly wrong there, forgive me. But the bulk of his career, and and that's a certain type of man, certain type of playing. Whereas even Reese James, you mentioned there, he's experienced Lampard and Tuchel. Very different men, very different tactics. And my goodness, he's been superb this season. He looks like a 50 cap sort of not maybe not veteran because he's a bit younger, of course. But he looks tenacious. He, he can cross, he can even shoot. I mean, we, that goal was it at Brighton was an absolute beauty, but it's not just, you know, he seems like he's got everything mm-hmm. in his locker. He played in a back three recently. He's played wing back and he's played full back. He will almost certainly start the Champions League um, uh, final. And when he's played for England, I was blown away just how comfortable he looked. Yeah, he's a player, and hopefully you'll back me up on this, Marcus, because I, I do get many, many things wrong. But he's a player that I've seen from the very start and mm. told you how good he could be. Yeah. Like he's got everything in his locker. You can see he ticks all the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. So the obvious situation you have, I, I personally think it's easy. It's fairly easy for a lot of players to pick out what they're not that good at mm-hmm. because the standard is so high in football now. So mm-hmm. if you look at Carl Walker, well, if you if you accuse Carl Walker of anything, it'll be that he uses his pace to get himself out of trouble a lot. Yeah. Right? You can see that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Alexander Arnold, we've talked about. Mm. Aaron Wambasaka, what's he offering you going forward? Mm. He seems much more comfortable defending. You know, He's still young as well. Um, true. Yeah, that's true. I, I haven't seen as much of Trippier this season because I don't mm-hmm. watch as much Spanish football. So, put, puck him to one side for one moment. I don't think there's any real um, negative sides of Rhys James's game. Perhaps, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, it's a bit early to say, maybe his temperament. Everything else I think he can do. Mm-hmm. I think if you tell me now you've got to pick two right-backs and you can only take two, I would take Walker and James. Right. Because I would have Walker as the 50-odd cap veteran mm-hmm. who's been there and seen it and done it and has been amazing, despite the flaws that he's had. 
uh, and I would take Rhys James as a kind of next best option who you mm-hmm. never know what he can do because he's not reached his ceiling yet. I don't think Rhys James has got anything really, any obvious flaw in his game. And I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've said that, and if people care enough, they can go back and listen to the ramble whenever. I said it at the time. He looks like he's got the lot. And and he, I think he deserves to go chiefly because of the other things you've said about the Champions League final, about the fact that Chelsea under Tuchel have been so good defensively, and he's mm-hmm. been a big part of that. Mm. Um, so, and, and let's not forget as well, like he, I think I'm right in saying that he's been able to usurp Aspilicueta from that right back position, mm. where Aspilicueta is like the captain of Chelsea, mm-hmm. you know, and, and is an amazing player and a great veteran. And I know he's coming to the end of his career, but even so, you've still got to go in there and do it. I mean, how difficult would that be in real terms for a young player mm-hmm. to do in a, a senior pro at a big club like Chelsea? So, look, I, I think he's unfazed by most of it. Yeah. Uh, and I like his versatility as well. As I you think say. you're right when you say he's unfazed. He looks so confident. And as I say, just tenacious, dynamic, all those types of words. And, and versatile as well. Carl Walker, I think we're agreed that he's in. Yeah, I'd be very, very surprised. He's got the experience. He's got a bit of versatility in terms of right back, can play in a back three if needs be. Um, I mean, he even kept up with Kylian Mbappe in the Champions League. Yeah. Quite well, it, he, he can even go in goal. It, it's true. Be. It bears repeating. <laughs> it bears repeating, and we can't say it enough. He is so fast. Yeah, like Kyle Walker is still now so fast. I can't believe his pace still. I know. I mean, I know he's what is he thirty thirty one. Hmm. Um, but st- I mean, yeah, he's still not that old. You don't mm. want to be so silly. And he started against Albania and Poland. He did. We, and the game before that was San Marino, and that was James, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so again, whatever one may think, I think he's going, and I think he'll probably start at right back. Uh, so again, with with where he plays at club level, okay, he hasn't started every Premier League game for Manchester City this season, but Pep likes to rotate and he knows what he's going to get with Walker and so does Southgate. So he's he's a bit of a banker. Um, Kieran Trippier. With Trippier, he has started 27 games in La Liga. He's only been subbed off a couple of times. He's been a, um, a, a regular starter for Simeone. He missed 10 matches after being suspended for breaching betting rules. Mm. I actually think that goes in his favour because he's fresher. I know that sounds a silly thing to say, obviously not doing the the actual act of what he got banned for, but in terms of not playing as many minutes, people talk about these positions and, and, and players like Walker and James mm-hmm. can play full seasons, although Walker hasn't started every game, so again, maybe a touch fresher. They go deep in the Champions League, they go deep in the Cups. Um, fatigue sets in, the human beings were crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Whereas Trippier... He had a, a bit of a, an unwanted break, it was, but still it was a break nonetheless. Mm-hmm. He's versatile. Regularly plays wing-back mm-hmm. for Atletico Madrid as well as full-back. Mm-hmm. He played on the left for England in the 2-1 win at home against He's Belgium. He's played on the left for Atletico as well. Exactly, which is, I mean, you know, we've got Chilwell and Shaw. I'm sure they'd have something to say about that, but mm. but, it, but he has done. Mm. Um, he was on the bench for the matches against Albania and, and Poland experience again we know what, what he can produce in, in in tournaments and well in the tournament the world cup point yeah. in case um i'd it, for me i was sort of thinking to myself well he's out of sight so okay fine maybe we'll just usher him away but when you read what he's done and the team he's in and a team who bloody love defending lest we forget yeah. despite them being top of the league mm-hmm. It's a very, very good option as well for Southgate. It speaks to the situation, doesn't it? Because um, I, I read a journalist, I forget who it was now, earlier this week, saying that like if Trippier was left out of this squad, there wouldn't be much uproar in England. Now, mm. the reason for that is because um, it's because the um, the fact that he's not playing in England, right? Mm. And there's so much choice. <laughs> I think 
you do get situations we've mentioned in the past about how players improve their reputation through absence, mm-hmm. but that only occurs when there's no one there to replace, to fill that vacuum, right? Yeah. We've obviously got a lot to fill that vacuum now, even mm-hmm. though Trippier was the starting right back for England in the last tournament, the, the situation's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. When the World Cup, not in the Nations League. Sorry, um, yeah. yeah, the World Cup. Yeah. The, major tournament. <laughs> um, despite what you're going to tell me in a second. <laughs> um, so, so, unfortunately, and I've, I've mentioned this once or twice in this, in this series of shows, and I, I apologise, but I think I have to mention it again. International football should be of the nature that you're sometimes not going to play because mm. other players are good. Mm. And there's been plenty of players down the years who have been fantastic that we've enjoyed watching. And the one that always springs to my mind is Ian Wright. You know, look at Andy. I thought you were going to say Matt Letizia. Well, perhaps not. Um, look at Andy Cole, for example. Uh-huh. How many caps did he get? Les Ferdinand. Not many. Les Ferdinand. All great players, mm. great operators at the top level. Mm. Andy Cole scored a ridiculous amount of goals in the Premier yeah, League. Yeah. And for those who are too young to remember, he got stick all the time for being a. He needs six chances to score a goal. I mean, if that was the case, he would have got half the goals he got. Yeah, yeah. And so, and he never made an impression for England. Was mm-hmm. he got? I don't know off the top of my head, but I think he might have only scored three or four goals for England. Mm. So. The history of, of England has been littered with players who didn't quite get the crack of the whip because there were just other players out there more suitable mm-hmm. or the timing wasn't right or they got an injury in mm-hmm. Ian Wright's case, for example, never represented England at a tournament. These things can happen. The tournoi, man. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And, and I think if Trippier does miss out, mm-hmm. it'll be unfortunate because it's more than likely to be his last opportunity. Mm-hmm. Although I know that the next World Cup will come around quite fast. Sure. He's already 30. But he has had a go at it. Mm-hmm. He's been there and done it. To be fair, that's it. not Southgate's... He's had a go on the unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> hey? And no one can take that away from him. They'll always have the memories. <laughs> I think Southgate will pick three of these players in his squad. That's what I think he'll do. Would you agree with that? Because you've got 26. Yes, I do agree with that. And I think also because of Walker's versatility, if you play mm-hmm. a back three. And as you've already said, um, Reese James can play wing back. So from what you've said there, I'm guessing that you're going for Trippier, Walker and Reese James and leaving Trent Alexander-Arnold out. I think I probably am, yeah. But I think that Alexander-Arnold's got time on his side. Yeah. And I think th- the only reason for it, and I know mm. I'm, I'll get hammered for it for, from Liverpool fans, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of used to that, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's because when you play a really big team, mm-hmm. you need someone who's defensively really good. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually think Alexander is Alexander is brilliant defensively. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm the only person that thinks that. You see, I have thought this, that my, your thinking was my thinking for a while, and then I thought to myself, you, you, you've got to leave one, maybe two, but we're going to go for one to make it less tricky. So again, we can't stress enough that all four of these players on merit, you know, you, you could make very, very strong cases for them starting, let alone going to the bloody tournament. Yeah. I actually, for the reasons that you've mentioned about Trent Alexander-Arnold's strengths, is one of the reasons why I might take him actually. And I wouldn't start him. I would start Walker and I'd probably take Trippier Maybe for old time's sake. I can't believe I'm saying maybe leave Reese James out because that seems ridiculously harsh. And yeah. he's such a great player. I can't stress that enough. But Alexander-Arnold, if England are needing something, if they are a goal down, I look at the options on the bench. Yeah, you've got some wide players. Whether Sancho starts or Sterling starts, you know, you've got options there. Or Grealish off the bench if, if he takes him, which I hope he does. But actually, if England are really needing something going on the front foot, that's where I think Alexander-Arnold's strengths for England could lie in the summer. Yeah, and I think I think you know, to put it in to wrap it up and to put it in perspective, um, we haven't even mentioned a fifty million pound right back mm. who started fifty three games for Man United this season, <laughs> who are second. <laughs> He's not even getting a mention. So that's how solid yeah. and how deep we are at that position. Mm. And so you know there are no right or wrong answers here. It's all just opinion. <laughs> Do forgive us, everybody. <laughs> Delphine to Ali. Wilson trying to turn, 
Here's Sancho. Alexander-Arnold, 2-0 England. Two goals in less than two minutes. And it's the first in international football for Trent Alexander-Arnold. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This week at Sukarnov. If you're wondering how Ashwood City Football Club dealt with the news of the European Super League, then binge the award-winning mockumentary The Offensive this summer. I think a few of the players are considering taking to social media. No, fucking no. Okay, turn off the fucking Wi-Fi for all I care. Tear down the 4G mark. Patrick, you've got a Zoom call with the other 14 right now. The 14? What? The remaining Premier League clubs. Oh, for fuck's sake. I don't want to talk to those fucking losers. Or if you'd rather get stuck into a comedy film podcast, why not check out Clash of the Titles? The podcast where two films with something in common go head-to-head to decide which one is better. The latest episode saw Red Heat up against Tango and Cash. In both films, I think someone says, where did you learn to drive like that? Which no one ever says in real life. Oh, I had lessons. Uh, but a nice callback. And you nan, how's your nan the bars? Oh, yeah. How many times did you take to pass? You passed first time. What about your written test? All that... And a whole lot more at Sukarnov. It's time for England's evolution, everybody. 
Um, we are focusing on the UEFA Nations League finals. Last uh, time round, of course, we spoke about the group stages where England uh, unexpectedly came through their group of Croatia and Spain and then into another semi-final so soon after the last one. Uh, wasn't it Wasn't it lovely? Habit forming, isn't it? Yes, uh, of course, they faced the Netherlands in their semi-final, uh, losing 3-1 and the host Portugal, they beat Switzerland 3-1 in the other semi-final. But England went into the match uh, with the Netherlands in good spirits and in good form. Qualification for the Euros was underway. England had beaten the Czech Republic 5-0 and beaten Montenegro 5-1 away, scoring a lot of goals. And now um, England were firmly playing uh, 4-3-3. That was that was the kind of uh, style that Southgate wanted a little bit more attacking, a um, bit more on the front foot perhaps. There were some fresh faces coming in after the World Cup, largely the same, but the likes of Chilwell, he was now the regular left back. Jaden Sancho was getting some more minutes. And Declan Rice had switched allegiances from Ireland to England, much to the um, uh, anger and annoyance to, uh, to a lot of Irish people, understandably. But he was called up to the Nations League finals. And... And then we came. So it was. It felt a little bit like a tournament. Luke, you're playing the Netherlands. Obviously, they were a bit rejuvenated themselves under under Ronald Koeman. And, and it was a surprise for them to get through a very difficult group as well. Well, their turnaround had been quite dramatic. It had been quite yeah. dramatic. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, the match ended in disappointment for England, of course. They, they, they did take the lead. And when you look back, you know, the midfield was made up of Delph, Barkley and Rice. It was a big yeah. ask for Rice. He did look a little bit out of his depth at times. Not too surprising, given that he'd only got two, two caps at that point. I think it was only his second start. Mm. Um, but what did you think of the game? I mean, it, it did sort of, England weren't quite as good as the Dutch, ultimately. No, but then they, they started the game... They, they they looked like they wanted to pound the break, from what I remember. Yeah. And they started the game un, under siege, really. Mm-hmm. And then there was a mistake, wasn't there? That's right. De Ligt yeah. makes a mistake. Rashford nips in. He mm-hmm. gives away a penalty. Rashford scores the penalty. Mm-hmm. And then you think, okay, yeah. well, this is kind of what we've been asking for when England mm-hmm. play a good team. And yeah. Netherlands, like I say, their turnaround have been dramatic. They've got some brilliant players. Um, and, you know, they... they Obviously, they came out on top and, and I think England almost like wrapped their hand in it. Extra, extra time. <laughs> yeah. There was a, a mistake or two. Um but I, I felt like, yeah, it's mixed emotions really for me revisiting it this week because I felt like, as I've just said, like for the particularly for the first half, okay, they look like the better team. They're dictating the pace and the tempo of the game, particularly through Frankie de Jong, mm. who was, from what I remember, kind of really central to that. Um, but we're sticking in there, yeah. and we and we and, and it's not the case that it has been in the past where. We're, we've got two banks of four mm. and we're not offering anything. And yeah. Wayne Rooney's up there on his own 30 yards away. <laughs> Screaming at yeah. Paul Robinson. And yeah. occasionally fouling people. <laughs> it actually looked like the semblance of a plan. Yeah. And I think the Declan Rice point is a really good one. Chiefly because he did look a little bit like he was looking around a bit. Mm-hmm. But look how far he's come now. Yeah. It's unthinkable now if he were fully fit that mm-hmm. he wouldn't start for England and that he wouldn't be... You know, you'd hope he's certainly. You know, I'm not being laughed out the room for saying he could be a stand-up performer in the Euros. Yeah, and also the two players he's with, you know, decent players, and they were there on merit, but they're no longer involved in the England setup now. Quite. So it wasn't the strongest of midfields. No. And then what did you make of the um, the? Because England did get put under pressure at the mm-hmm. back, and the, the goals. I think certainly at least one of them came mm-hmm. from another mistake from England at the back trying to play out. Now, yeah. the reason I'm asking this question mm-hmm. is because we haven't talked about this very much on the ramble or on this show about the idea that we seem to see rearguard mistakes happen a lot now, whether mm-hmm. it be a defender or a goalkeeper. And I think, and we talked about it briefly, I think certainly no more than that, maybe a year or two ago, about how a Guardiola mm-hmm. or a Klopp will say, "Do you know what?" 
I'll take the occasional mistake yeah, yeah, yeah. because I want to play in this way. And it's it's the cost of doing business. Rather than constant mistakes of giving the ball away. Exactly. Or, or, or you know, making everything a 50-50 when you put the ball up in yeah, the air yeah, yeah. and it's who's got the strongest or best mm-hmm. header of the ball. Now, that's all well and good and I accept that and I totally get it. Mm-hmm. And it would be a really reactive, reactionary thing to do to be like, oh, well, you know, you can't make these mistakes. Mm-hmm. But at international level, there is no season long for it to be worth it in the averages, right? Mm-hmm. You haven't got 38 games. Mm-hmm. If you get to a knockout stage... As we saw in this game, whether you think it's a major tournament or not, um, that might, if you like Marcus, that'll be dependent on how well they, England do. But but you're out. That's it, you're out. Yeah. So you make that mistake an extra time, well, it's yeah. out. Carl yeah. Walker scores an own goal through some weird scuffle. I mean, he was so unlucky. I mean, Pickford and Walker nearly bailed Stones out with yes, that exactly. dreadful error. And, um, and, and therefore, and I'm pleased you said the word Stones because that's rears his head again. Yeah. Now, I saw a survey this week saying that... Um, uh, asking subscribers to a website to pick the players they wanted to go to the Euros. Mm. And I think it was something like 90, over 99% of people surveyed pick Stones. Mm. So he's popular. Yeah. People want him to go. People accept his mistakes. They think he's the best selection along with he's, I mean, he's been playing in this Manchester City side. I know Ruben Diaz has been next to him. but Now player of the year, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he, he is one of England's best centre-halves. There's no two ways about that. And I mean, I... Jamie Carragher after the game, he was, he was really doing his head in. He's saying it's not playing out from the back that's that's caused these mistakes. Mm. It's a very, very poor decision from John Stones. That, that, that was. That yeah, was, he yeah. said he's got options. He, he's dilly-dallying and it's... It was... It was Really stupid. Unforgivable. Yeah, really, really stupid. And then the second goal... Um, the, well, sorry, the third goal, should I say. Second goal in extra time. Um, he plays a ball to Barkley. I mean, should he play it to Barkley? Barkley did offer himself, but then Barkley just hands it to was it Memphis Depay who then squares to promise, promise I think yeah. it was and, and, and he scores and it's a, it's an absolute sort of almost a capitulation but the, but the bigger takeaway from that game is that that again England yes you can you can isolate certain facts about this game and say well actually we gifted them two goals otherwise it was pretty mm. it was pretty even in, in some senses you know the possession stats were fairly even as well but England they just looked unimaginative and it's that kind of Playing in straight lines. Where's the movement off the ball? Where are the options? And that that this is an age-old thing with with England. The only time they had a moment where they actually moved the ball quite well and nicely, Jesse Lingard scores and mm. bastard yeah. VAR yeah. It, it chalked yeah. it off. Now you'd probably say now, oh well, he was a shoulder offside, and of course that that's. But but I think your point is though with with England looking as you've just described them. Are you talking about because for me? It's, there's two ways of looking at it. Yes, they've been unlucky with VAR with the Jesse Lingard non-goal, mm. but and and you're saying they look unimaginative and it's all quite straight lines. Mm-hmm. But actually, that move was amazing. Mm. It was a brilliant piece of play, yeah. And it showed that they're capable of it at the right time, and they have to make the decisions about when the right time is. Mm-hmm. But if you can play like that, you mm. can win games. Yeah, and but and so that's the kind of, I suppose, the encouraging thing. The, the, these go, these goals that Neverland scored. Mm. Arguably, all three of them come from mistakes. Mm. You got the Stones thing. Well, the Eng- you've got the England thing. goal as well. And you've got the yeah, of course, but you've got the delict one as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he goes to the near post and powers a header home. Yeah. It's a great header, and you know he obviously wanted to atone for his early mistake. And he's a good player, delict, mm-hmm. and he's a danger from set pieces. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't great defending. No, it wasn't great defending. Um, 
but it went in and that's the thing is it's these perhaps lapses of concentration but you can see England this is about this, this is this what this section's about you can see the evolution you can see trying to iron out these things mm. right don't get the ball and just lump it long um, you know a few pundits said that it was nice to see England not just sort of smashing it hopeful and long which is ridiculous in this day and age we're still saying wasn't it good they didn't just hit it and hope yeah yeah, yeah. but it shows you that the evolution of this, this of England trying to kind of kick in and scream and get them to play in a certain way Jamie Redknapp said after the game that that he, he, he cited the likes of Foden and Madison coming through who like to receive the ball on the half turn and be a part of England evolving and improving their style and quality of play. Well, you get what he means. Yeah. And now Southgate has some of these players. Madison, I don't think, will go, but he has some of these players, which you think, right, now try and play like that a bit, I, I, mm. I suppose. Um, I mean, very quick mention off the off the pitch, there was some trouble with England fans, which you think, oh, blimey, that's... Uh, Something that will not evolve. Sadly, yes. Yeah. We, we need a lot of evolution there for crying out loud. Um, but England, they played Switzerland in the third place playoff and the game finished nil-nil after extra time and went to penalties. I mean, England dominated the game. The game was mad. It yeah. was quite mad. I've never seen a game with more times hit the woodwork. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd challenge anyone listening to this to find me another game where the woodworks hit more times. Mm, there was a fair few, wasn't there? I mean, Callum Wilson was denied a goal by, by VAR. Mm-hmm. I think it was a slight handball or foul or something. But, you know, England dominated the game and another day would have won. Well, Jan Sommer was in amazing form. He was, yeah. He made yeah. two of the best saves you will ever see. Mm, he was very good in goal. Yeah. So, uh, so, fair enough. But the game goes to a penalty shootout. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, don't lose this because it just... I don't think it would it would completely undo. Obviously, the penalty that win against Colombia, but if you can win this, it's just another yeah. example that England have. Um, and the pressure was off. It's a third place match in a in a tournament that people a some major tournament. some don't consider a major tournament. Yeah. You know, but either way, it depends if we win or not. Absolutely, yeah. but either way, the pressure was off definitely. But what I found so interesting with the England fans in in the end that they took the penalties, it was a carnival like atmosphere, yeah. and the feeling was, oh yeah, we've got this. Yeah. Now I might be interpreting that. I am interpreting that in my own way. Yeah. But that certainly was the feeling. And in a weird way, if you know what I mean by this, England never looked like losing that. No, and I think it's a really important point to make, chiefly because England dominated the game. Jan Sommer was in inspired form. Uh, they changed the shape, the shape slightly. Played a four-two-three-one. And changed the personnel. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot of them, from what I remember. Yep. You had Dyer and Delph at the base of the midfield. Yeah. Um, and you had um, Lingard started and all the rest of it. Mm. But the point being, Marcus, I think you make a good point, is that. If England had dominated a game in a tournament and it had been nil-nil, mm. the, the, the default position for an England fan of a certain age would mm-hmm. be, well, we're going to lose on penalties yeah. now because that's how it goes. Yeah. But it wasn't like that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And it wasn't like that because the damage had been... So, well, not the damage, because the, the die had been cast with what they did against Colombia. Mm. It was no longer anything to fear. Mm-hmm. You know, We did a, the, one of the most European things you can ever do and get our goalkeeper to take a, take a penalty. Love that. that is a swagger. Yes. Yeah. I think Pickford's far too busy as it is mm. and the last thing he needs to be doing <laughs> is doing that. But to be fair to him, Lovely one. he saved the next one. Yeah. So uh, not he, the next one, it was the next book. The, one. Yeah, sorry, the one after. But yeah, still, yeah, yeah, he was the hero. Yeah. And once again. I mean, all, all Out of the six takers, only Eric Dyer was involved in the shootout against Colombia. But all six scored. And again, I think that's just... But Dyer's also scored the, the decisive one. Yes, he did, yeah. This time, and against Colombia. He's the man of the moment. He's got to go. Which is he why has he, to come. Which is why he needs to be there. <laughs> um, I, 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 but it restored a little bit of pride and just kept a little bit of momentum for Southgate. And I think it was important to win that penalty shootout. Apparently, they were handed their third-place medals in just a plastic bag. They are, lads. Well done. But Pre-COVID as well. It was, yeah. yeah. But I think the final shows that if England wanted to become a more attacking team and express themselves a bit more... Than, than they had done in the World Cup, of course. There, there was work to do, and there is work to do. They don't have a player like Frankie Dion who can, can dictate the play and, and whatnot. And they did lack a little bit of movement and options in midfield and a little bit off 
being considered one of the best teams in international football. Yeah, but I think, you know, if you view it in the round, um, you come for a tough Nations League group, mm. Croatia and Spain. We talked about that already. Um, you were of the opinion that Spain and Croatia took it seriously. Mm. You know, so England, England went through and they got through to the semi-final. And the semi-final, as we just, decide, just discussed, has been decided on fairly fine margins. Mm. And then they go through and have a good, good account of themselves and kind of pick up the third place. Great. That's one step further than they went in the World Cup yeah. in a different situation, admittedly. But it brings us full circle, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Because he Southgate plays Alexander-Arnold against Switzerland. Mm. Doesn't see them as being a huge threat. They've got some good players, but you know it's not the end of the world to, to, to pick Alexander-Arnold. Who does he pick against Netherlands? Carl Walker. Mm. Because he knows what Netherlands are capable of. And I wonder if anything's changed from then to now or whether we'll see a similar type of thing. And that kind of attitude towards Alexander-Arnold won't only cost him a starting berth for England, it might cost him his place in the squad as well. There we are. Well, ahead of uh, Euro 2020, Gareth Southgate will be prepping his side for the group games, including one against the Czech Republic. I recently spoke to Czech journalist Andrzej Zlamal about uh, Yaroslav Shilhavi's team who beat England in the Euro qualifiers, of course, in 2019. Andre, the Czech Republic, in the last three years, they've had quite a successful time. In, in 2018, they failed to qualify for the World Cup in, in Russia. And as if my memory serves me correctly, they weren't in a particularly good place. And they, they then hired Yaroslav Shilvani to become the national team manager. And since then, they've qualified for the European Championships, of course, and they finished top of their group in the UEFA Nations League. It seems he's improved the team. He changed the atmosphere in the team. Now, I just uh, the, the, the team was not successful at the uh, European Championships 2016 in France. Peter Czech resigned, Tomasz Josicki resigned, some other players. They ended their career and there was a new generation coming in. And Jaroslav Shilhavi just got the momentum of the young players, the momentum of Slavia Prague, a uh, team that is unbeaten Czech champions who who play modern style of football, attacking football, positive side. He changed the atmosphere also in the, in the team, invited some other players, and he just is doing well, as you said. He improved the results, and uh, after being beaten uh, 5-0 at Wembley against England, since that time, I think it was the turning point that uh, the results improved. He is... Uh, He's supporting a kind of attacking football. Like Maybe you have noticed, like Slavia Prague played against Leicester and Arsenal. There's... Mm-hmm. Attacking football with the left back, right back, playing as wingers, supporting the attack a lot. There are two active wingers. There's a lot of uh, lot of uh, players supporting attack in the penalty box, but they are still capable to return to defensive block. And the symbol of this uh, change is Tomasz Sochek, the West Ham midfielder who was transferred from Slavia to, to England, who becomes the new leader. He's a deputy captain, he says. He likes the spirit of the team and he represents the new generation that wants to be successful, is hungry to be successful. And um, if you talk about the quality of, of the Czech Republic, they might have some little problems in the defense, might have, might be looking for number one uh, forward, but still they will be difficult size, side to play it against for everybody. Yeah, that's. I think. Yeah, I, that's the impression that I've got. Obviously, you've seen them a lot, lot more than I have. But, but this side, they don't have some of the big names that we've seen previously with with Czech sides. But they look like a very cohesive unit. They've got a strategy and a formation, and they they have a plan. And they look like a team who, despite that 5-0 against England, as you say, which seems a long time ago no. now, um, and I don't think that would happen again personally. Um, 
they 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 seem quite a hard team to beat. Uh, yeah, this is this is when they say about uh, the main uh, the main start of the team. They always say teamwork. It's teamwork. Mm. You know, Tomasz Sochek. You know him. This is the tall guy from West Ham yeah. who is capable <laughs> to win every ball, which is flying away and yeah. running from the first minute to the 19th minute. Amazing guy. I've seen him playing for Slavia since he was like 14, and now it's amazing what he has achieved. And this guy, he scored a hat trick uh, against Estonia in the recent World Cup qualifier. Mm. He got the ball and he had it signed by all the teamwork, all all the staff, and all the team. Like everybody had to sign it, and he kept it among his best, biggest trophies because. This is just a little detail, but what he feels is just this is not the achievement of my individual. I'm not a star, but this is a team achievement, and this is this is what represents this. The, these players who come there, they they are ready to work for the team. There's not a one player that we like like Patrick Schick from Leverkusen that everybody would try to pass the ball to him to mm-hmm. score. They are always trying to create chances with one touch football, quick counter attacks, set pieces. And then they're never, never playing for one person. Not, not there are not the big stars like in the past we had Milan Baros. In the past we had Tomas Rosicki. Now, now it's not. It's not like that. This is the team. Mm. You, you've mentioned uh, obviously Suchek and, and and briefly Schick there, who I'm sure most neutrals would think they're the standout players. I mean, we know Kufal and Vidra as well yeah. playing in in the Premier League. Which other players do you think could surprise people from the Czech Republic and 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 turn a few heads in the summer? You, you mentioned Sofal, yeah, he's the he's the teammate from uh, Tomáš Soucek, mm-hmm. and he's, he's, he's they are like really good friends, and they have, they have, they have uh, opened the door for Premier League for the other Czech players, and they are nice guys, and they they also they also bring the atmosphere from a successful club back to the team. Uh, there's Jakub Jankto. He's a former Sochex player, uh, teammate from Slavia youth, who plays as a winger and he plays with left and right foot and he takes the corners. He provided several assists to Sochex. He could be another one. Uh, there could be Alex Kral, also former Slavia player, who who used to be a central defender, but now he was moved to midfield. He plays for Spartak Moskva. He gets a lot of minutes playing there. He could be he could be the star, but there are some others. We may be surprised by the names like Holesh or Masopust, who play for Slavia uh, in this in this fantastic season they have had so far. There's one drawback. There was Lukas Probot. He got uh, he, he is the guy who scored away against Leicester. Uh, he was one of the biggest uh, rising stars of Czech football, and like he would have definitely been in the starting eleven against England and in the, in the Europe against Scotland for all the games but he got injured he uh, injured his knee badly and he's now out till um, the end of the year i think he has to undergo an operation mm. the obvious question i suppose i'm going to ask you is that they qualified for the european championships in a group which was also featured england now england won seven out of the eight games in that group with their only loss coming of course to the czech republic which was the the second game they played against each other, you saw from an English point of view, you could see the improvement from, you know, the 5-0 was was quite easy for England. Then, of course, they go and, they go and lose. Are you confident that, that they could do that again to England? That was a, that was a big, big uh, cheer-up mm. for them. And I spoke to yeah. Gareth Southgate, actually, after the game. We had an interview in the flash, and I asked him about the change between the Czech Republic and he answered something like it was a playing a different team, <laughs> like it was different, yeah. different side. Yeah, and I think they they um, it's it's good because it's going to be an open football. They are not going to attack against defensive blocks. So just 
they are capable to repeat that. And I have seen it recently when they played Belgium. And when they, uh, the game against Belgium ended 1-1, Lukaku equalized in the second half. And like the coaches and the players of Belgium said, they were happy to get a point out of this. It's just they repeated a similar kind of uh, performance as they did against England, against Belgium, which is one of the best sides in the world. Uh, yeah, yeah. If they if they, they have a lucky day, if they don't make stupid mistakes in the defense, they are capable to play. Or they will, they will. I'm, I'm sure they will try to play like that, like they played against England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for England, it, it would be tempting for um, an England fan to think, well, Czech Republic, you know, England should beat them. But actually, in a way, that loss to the Czech Republic is something that that both managers could use. It was a very funny story about that. You see, actually, at the draw, when they, it was drawn against the other, Southgate met Chilavi, and Southgate said, again, again. And it was like, he was not very happy seeing him again, this guy, you know, just... Like, <laughs> like it was like he's, he's a nice guy he wouldn't say anything anything bad but he was just saying again again you know it's just, i had a feeling even when i heard the story that i had a feeling that they would have to, would have preferred to to playing somebody else in the group but it's uh yes yes that's yes he had, I, I mentioned that after belgian i said i said to shilhavi i asked him did you have the same feeling as against england after after defeating england and he said no this team was even better they, uh, the, the way we played against Belgium, there was no teamwork. There was no chance goal. The winner was partly, partly like a, it was not a worked, you know, very, very built up goal. But he, he, say, he said his feelings were better than uh, than after beating England. Uh, finally, Andre, what do you think of this England side going into the tournament? There is, there is hope and expectation in England. Of course, there's some there's some good players. There's also some worry about certain injuries and. And whatnot. So people in in England they're sort of a bit confident, but they're also wary that we've been confident before and uh, and it's not happened. So what what do you think of this England team? Well, uh, my first tournament was back 1976 when Czechoslovakia won, then 78 Argentina, <laughs> 82, and I was supporting England since that time because I just saw that the Premier League or the top English division is the uh, is the best league in the world. So just oh, bless you. produce it should produce the bunch of players that should lift the trophy. You know, of course. I, yeah, and I, I think this. Uh, when I spoke about the Czech Republic, it can be also said about England. You've got the players like Foden, Rice, Mount, a lot of young players, you know, who are hungry for the success. And I expect them to be one of the favorites, not just to qualify from the group, but to reach the final and win it. When when else, you know, you've got the semi-final, six and seven July, London, Wembley, mm-hmm. then the mm-hmm. 11th of July, Wembley final. When else do you want to lift the trophy? That's, that's the right time. <laughs> well, miss that Andre, one, you miss that one. What else do you want? <laughs> but the England missed in Euro '96, and the know, Czechs didn't. I you know, see, I know because of <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's Czech Republic's year. Maybe it's they'll get to the final and they'll they'll do it at Wembley. Uh-huh. But they didn't do it in '96. Maybe this year. Oh yeah, that's different. <laughs> that's a different different team. But there, there was the when I spoke to Lukas Masopus, I mentioned this because I had a chance because of my work to. to to them, they were. They might be inspired by that. By by the way, they might be inspired by this because they know it's 1996 was very famous final. So mm-hmm. the the players will know about that, and probably the coach will use it and will show the show the show them the video from the final finals. They know it. Andre, thank you very much for talking to us. It's been it's been interesting and enlightening on the Czech Republic scene. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Andre.
Well, there we are. A great bit of insight about what to expect. Absolutely what right. Yeah, try yeah. and deliver to our listeners whether it's a Croatian expert or a Czech Republic expert yeah. or dare I say a Scottish expert. Yes. Um, a nice bit of insight from Andre there. Thanks Indeed, to him yeah. for joining us. Well, and as I sort of briefly made the point there that both managers will use that uh, 2-1 victory from the Czech Republic in 2019. Um, the, the Czechs will use it as to say, we can beat we these can do it, yeah. and England will say, oi, They've beaten us before. Get your head on. Get your head on. Exactly. Absolutely right. Well, thank you very much for listening to Lions Watch, everybody. We'll be back next week when we will know Gareth Southgate's squad after the big announcement on Tuesday. Yeah. Here's to the right backs. Here's to the right backs. It'll be a nerve-wracking time for them, wouldn't it? Over it the next be. few days. Really so we, we, our heart goes out to them. But fingers crossed that people get the uh, result they're after. Indeed. See you next week. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. People of the U.S., great news. The Formula One Circus is coming to Miami this weekend, and we've got everything you need to know on P1 with Matt and Tommy, the Formula One podcast from Stack. It doesn't matter if you're an F1 veteran or hardly watch a race. If you want a fun breakdown of the biggest stories from this weekend's race, we've got you covered. Join us for previews and reaction episodes from practice, qualifying and the race itself, plus our full Driver Rankings podcast early next week. You'll be armed with enough info to make you look like a bona fide expert when the race rolls back around next year, or at least when you see your friends next week. Search P1 with Matt and Tommy in your podcast app to subscribe and listen now.